My brother and I would wish to welcome you this evening to this tabernacle for this evening's service. I would like to introduce them to you if you don't know who they are. To my right here is priest Neil Sherman, who will have the invocation. To my far left is Trenton Jones, deacon, and he will offer the benediction. And his father, Justin Jones, will be is an elder, and he will be bringing the message of the hour. And I am Elder Jim Schimmel. Last week, when I was preparing for this evening and thinking about it and studying, my mind wandered back to the Buckner Branch First Reunion. And for a quick history, it was in October of 1987 when the World Church locked us out of our building. And in three or four days' time, we had gotten with the Fort Osage school system, and they agreed to rent us the high school facility, gymnasium, or the uh, theater, for our church services. But on Wednesday, they couldn't do that, but they let us have the elementary school there in Buckner for our prayer services. In the spring of 88, our pastor, Ren Smith, or Ren Thomas, was talking with Mike Rogers and I, and we were discussing, because we'd had a few people talk to us about a reunion, if there was any way that we could have a reunion. So we started looking to see if we could find a facility to rent. And we finally had the Assembly of God grounds in Excelsior Springs brought to us and made an appointment to go up and see the grounds. Then we went up and toured the grounds and thought, we can do this. We actually thought it was kind of big maybe for our first reunion. Then they informed us that the only week we could have was the week of the 4th of July, that they would rent it to us. And we discussed it because that raised the concern Will the saints come to the reunion grounds that week with the 4th of July being in the middle of it? But we made the decision and went ahead and rented it. Mike Rogers was the director and I was the register. And like I said, we were concerned whether the people would show up. We got everything printed up. And literally, when we opened it for registrations first to our branch, it was going to give them 48 hours, if I remember correct, and then open it up for others. Literally, within eight hours, the lodge was full, and the ladies' or girls' dorm building was full. We had a great reunion that year. And I got to doing the math. That was 35 years ago. So this is our 36th branch reunion. And it's still held the week of the 4th of July. And the saints are willing to come. 
Our theme for tonight is the light breaking forth. And since it is the 4th of July, I couldn't help but think of the light bringing forth 247 years ago when the Declaration was presented. Now, if you study your history, you know they didn't all get to sign it that day. It took a few days for all the signatures. But if you also study your history, you'll find that some of the men were talking that July 2nd was going to be a day that would always be remembered because they thought everything was going to be ready to do it on July 2nd. But it took a couple days. But on July 2nd, George Washington wrote a letter to his Continental Army. And I'm going to read probably two-thirds of it to you. It's not that long. But I think it definitely applied to them in that day. And if you think about us as a nation today, these words apply to us. But we have an additional one. If we think about the kingdom of our God and Zion and our responsibility, some of this, I believe, actually applies to us even more. But this was written by George Washington on July 2nd. The time is now near at hand which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. Whether they are to have any property they can call their own. Whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no human effort will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend, under God, on the courage and conduct of the army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us no choice but a brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have, therefore, to resolve to conquer or die. Our own country's honor calls upon us for a vigorous and manly exertion, I'm sorry, And if we now shamefully fail, we shall become infamous to the whole world. Let us rely upon the goodness of the cause and the aid of the supreme being in whose hands victory is to animate and encourage us to great and noble action. This last week I was also listening to the radio, and they were discussing our early history. And this, uh, I can't think of the university right now, did a survey a few years ago, and they asked the people, where is the paperwork found that says separation of church and state? And if I remember correct, 39% said it was in the Declaration of Independence. And then there was, I forget what percentage, said the Constitution. And then some said the Bill of Rights. 
And the total percentage was something like 70-some percent didn't even know that nowhere in the founding documents do you find anything about separation of church and state. And if you read the Declaration of Independence, you'll find that God is mentioned four times. Our forefathers believed in this land. And I believe they were directed by God so that this nation could be established and that this church could be put on earth in this location. The only thing that is found in any of the paperwork that our forefathers did was that the government would not have its own church like the Church of England. It was up to the people to decide their religious background and what they wanted. I firmly believe those men were called of God to set up this nation, just as I believe the pilgrims and the pact of the Mayflower started the process. It is up to us where we go from here. For scripture readings tonight, I would like to read from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen Upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of the rising. And in Matthew, our Lord and Savior is teaching the people on the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I give unto you to be a light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Behold, no man lighteth a candle and put it under a bushel, nay, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Therefore let your light so shine before this world that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. And he's basically in this chapter talking about Christ's second coming and the precepts of righteousness, but starting with verse 4. But yea, brethren, are ye not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief? Yea, are all the children, ye are all the children of light, And the children of the day, ye are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us now sleep, not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love, 
and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So we turn in our hymnals to hymn number 197. After this, we will have the benediction, and Brother Neil first is going to read a short prayer that George Washington said, and then he'll offer his prayer. 197. Today is Independence Day, the day we choose to celebrate with honor and respect the birth of our country. 
when our nation was America was brand new, President Washington penned a prayer, and there are parallels as this applies to the nation of Zion, which will soon be new, and his prayer would apply to us today. I'd like to read that. Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou wilt keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou wilt incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government and entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice and love mercy and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion without a humble imitation of whose example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. Grant our supplication, we beseech thee, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Will you bow with me? Heavenly Father, as I say this prayer, I ask that you would look down upon this congregation of thy children, thy servants, thy people, and support for us the same blessing of strength and courage, knowledge, understanding, faith, and wisdom, that as we embark upon the process of building this nation of Zion, that we would embody these same attributes so graciously penned by our founding father, President Washington. Father, I thank you for those blessings of life that you have bestowed upon us. I pray you would bless my friend and my mentor, Elder Justin Jones, tonight, and provide for him as thou didst provide for this life and safety of our founding fathers as they risk their lives to bring about this nation. Provide for him the message of the day in this moment. I pray this, Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your scriptures with you, I would invite you to turn to section 85, verse 
This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom, which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even of God, the holiest of all through Jesus Christ, his son. He that ascended up on high, as also he descended below all things, in that he comprehended all things, that he might be in all and through all things, the light of truth, which truth shineth. This is the light of Christ. As also he is in the sun, and the light of the sun, and the power thereof by which it was made. As also he is in the moon, and is the light of the moon, and the power thereof by which it was made. And also the light of the stars, and the power thereof by which they were made. And the earth also, and the power thereof, even the earth upon which you stand. And the light which now shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlightened your eye, enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understandings. Which light proceeded forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. And now turning over to section 90. Verse 6a. The glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. Light and truth forsaketh that evil one. Brothers and sisters, would you please let these words sink down within your hearts and ponder them, and may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of this record.
wish to thank the Brown family for your ministry. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. It's a privilege and an awesome responsibility to stand before you, to stand before this congregation, and to bring ministry, to bring light. And I will stand before you as any other man would and tell you that it's not by me, but it's only by the light of Christ. If you receive anything at all tonight, it will be by him and not me. And so uh, in preparation, I heard a lot of different scriptures, read a lot of different scriptures, and there is so many on light. And if we were to challenge ourselves and to, to do a study, I know it would increase our knowledge and our understanding. One thing that I found and I've heard about is back in 1972, some of you may have heard of the uh, Billy Graham crusade in, in, down in Texas. In 1972, in the Cotton Bowl, a group of believers showed up. As a matter of fact, over 75,000 showed up. And it was a weekend event, I believe. And what would happen is they would go out during the day and share their testimony and try to share the gospel. And then they would come back at night and share, and they would sit under the ministry of Billy Graham and Bill Light, I believe was the other gentleman's name. And one night, to demonstrate how it works, Billy Graham lit a candle. And he then lit the candle of the person next to him. And they lit the candle of the person next to them. And this continued on until the entire stadium was lit up. They turned off the lights and the stadium glowed. As a matter of fact, people started calling the Dallas Fire Department thinking the stadium was on fire. It was on fire, but not, you know, not that any fireman could put out. And then I started thinking about the experience that we have that's more near and dear to our heart. And that happened in 1836. It was March 27th, Kirtland, Ohio. It was the dedication of the temple. And the service lasted somewhere between seven to eight hours. There's a few different reports out there. But we know the story, the gist of it, that God's Spirit rested upon that place. Now, brothers and sisters, that was a true fire. And they thought that Kirtland Temple, neighbors thought Kirtland Temple was on fire. But we can see a difference here, can't we? The light of a candle passed around by us as opposed to the pure light of Jesus Christ resting upon his church, the church. The only church in which he is well pleased upon the face of the earth, speaking collectively, of course, the only true church. And we were talking today on the way across the lake, across the dam to to lunch, and we were thinking about how our lives intersected at this point and the many decisions that each one of you have made and the many directional and course changes the Lord has made to bring us all here. 
And all of us are related by the blood of Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, I know we look forward to that day once again. We look forward to that day when God will pour out His Spirit in great power and the gifts all will be restored. But until that time, there's much for us to do. I want to start with section 83. And I'm going to read from 7A through F. And now I give unto you a commandment to beware concerning yourselves, to give diligent heed to the words of eternal life. For you shall live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. For the words of the Lord is truth. For the word of the Lord is truth, excuse me. And whatsoever is truth is light. And whatsoever is light is spirit, even the spirit of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world, and the Spirit enlighteneth every man through the world that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit. And every one that hearkeneth to the voice of the Spirit cometh unto God, even the Father. And the Father teacheth him of the covenant which he hath renewed and confirmed upon you, which is confirmed upon you for your sakes and not for your sakes only, but for the sake of the whole world. For the whole world lieth in sin and groaneth under darkness and under the bondage of sin. And brothers and sisters, we talked about this today in class about the breaking forth and what the light breaks through. It breaks through that darkness, doesn't it? And that darkness is unbelief, it's sin. And I would ask you, as you sit here tonight, to remember, to contemplate your own lives, to contemplate the things that have transpired in your lives, and to think about the times when you have felt enlightened by the Lord. For that's what uh, light is. Uh, enlightenment is receiving knowledge, receiving understanding, to have a clear view of. If we ever need a clear view, it's this day. So the darkness, he sent that to break through the darkness. And what covenant is that that he's talking about? It's found in section 45. And I knew that when Joe brought this up in class, he confirmed what I, because I had this written down, Joe, before you brought it up in class today. So thank you for that. Forty-five two d For verily I say unto you that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the light and the life of the world, a light that shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. I came unto my own, and my own received me not. But unto as many as received me gave I power to do many miracles and to become the sons of God. And even unto them that believe on my name gave I power to obtain eternal life. And even so I have sent mine everlasting covenant into the world to be a light to the world. And to be a standard for my people and for the Gentiles to seek to it. And to be a messenger before my face to prepare the way before me. So... 
in class, we talk about the covenants and how God never makes a covenant that he doesn't, that he doesn't keep. So all of his covenants are everlasting. But if you look through the scriptures, there, there are everlasting covenants that are named. This is the only one that is not named. It doesn't need a name. It is the everlasting covenant. You have the everlasting covenant of Enoch. You have the covenants with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, with his church. Those are everlasting covenants as well. So this everlasting gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And what causes him to be the light of the world? He's the only begotten. He was with the Father in the beginning. And through him was the Word. We know the story of salvation. We know that man was given their probation. And that over the course of, well, there was no time in the garden that man fell. And there needed to be redemption. And that through that redemption, there came a covenant. Because we were sinful and fallen, we had to make a covenant with our Savior, with the Lord. We had to agree to do what He says. We had to agree that we would keep our end of the deal. And so through this Jesus Christ comes this light. The Scriptures through angels, through the gifts. So light came forth from the Lord, and then in the meridian of time, light broke forth again, did it not? Out of Isaiah chapter 9, This is about Christ. This is about his kingdom. It says, Nevertheless, starting in one, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as as was in her vexation, when at her first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. This is Jesus Christ because it goes on to talk about his birth. This is Jesus Christ, the light coming forth to us. And as you think about light, I can tell you for a fact that most every one of you here has experienced that light. Because light comes in a way of revelation. And you wouldn't be sitting here tonight if you hadn't had a revelation, if you hadn't had a revealment of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That is why you're here. I hope. A revelation. A revelation that God is willing to give to all mankind. He said it in the Scriptures. He came for all mankind. So we have Joseph Smith. 
We are well aware of his experience in the grove. A young boy was much puzzled about the gospel, about the other tenants that were out, the other beliefs. And this young man had something within him calling him to a more keen, clearer view of what was going on, didn't he? Because he just, none of them sat right with him, right? Why, why else would he go to God if he knew which one he was going to join? Something just wasn't right. The Lord was working with him. And that should show each one of us, and especially you young people, that shows you that God works with the young people as well. It's not just us older folks. And I would hope that for you young ones, you've already felt that movement in your life. And so Joseph, understanding and and reading and knowing his scriptures and what they say in the book of James, he goes to the grove and he begins to pray. And immediately something goes wrong. He seized upon, can't speak, feels paralyzed. All of a sudden, he's contemplating in his own mind that he's going to see death. And he just went into the grove to pray. And just before he felt like he was about to die, he was able to call out and the Lord delivered him and he saw this great light a light broke forth to our young brother and because of that light and because of him obeying the covenant we are here now following the gospel that he brought forth and restored in these last days what about our founding fathers When you receive a revelation, when you receive light, when you receive direction, when you receive what you feel like is a directive or a mandate, you're willing to sacrifice about anything. And Brett brought to us last night what it was. I didn't realize how how much they sacrificed for us about the founding fathers and how they were committing treason. As soon as they put that pen to paper, they were committing treason. Probably before, before they actually signed their names. If they would have found them in in a meeting, they probably would have taken them out and hung them. And what I find so wonderful is that just this morning, my aunt, who lives down in Texas, texted us and said, we just got done reading the Declaration of Independence. I suggest you all do it too so that you all can understand just how much our founding fathers sacrificed and what they signed their name to. The same exact words that were brought to the pulpit by the, from the pulpit last night. Brothers and sisters, we know that many have given their lives and sacrificed much. And some of you sitting here right now have sacrificed much. Your families, your forefathers sacrificed much for you to sit here, for us to sit here, for us to sit here in freedom. 
the founding fathers, a ragtag army fighting against a superpower. What about our current soldiers? What about our current servicemen and women? What about our current first responders? What do they have going on inside of them that desire, makes them want to desire to put their life on the line for us each and every day? They've got something within them, don't they? They've got this burning. They've got a calling. They've got a directive. and They, they know it and they feel it. And they moved on it. And they walked out of their homes not knowing if they were going to return. They left family behind. Maybe brand new families. This is the light I'm talking about. This light which came from Jesus Christ. Even though these people may not have the fullness of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, they have felt this inspiration. They have felt this desire. They have felt something calling them to something bigger than themselves. And that's why we're here. Because each one of you sitting here today feels that same calling. You know that there's something bigger than you calling you to a life of service, to a life of sacrifice, to a life of loving others, to serving others, and to defending others. Because love is found all through all three of those, is it not? Love causes people to give up their lives for a good cause. So what about you? What do you have going on within you right now? What light is burning within you? What directive are you feeling? What testimony do you have? So with Christ, when he came... It was necessary for all men to die. But he also tells us that this death is not the end. So we have faith. And we know that those who've gone on before us, whom we love, are still there. They've just moved on to a different room of the house, if you will. That's what my mom said. She said, I'm just going to the next room. I try not to talk about them in past tense, you know, because they're still around. They're still good people, right? Your, your relatives, your loved ones who have gone on, they're still there. But we have this light. We have this light helping us through this life, bringing us through the difficult times, bringing us through our trials. And when we go low down into the deep, into the valley of the shadow of death, it can be super bitter because sometimes we're feeling more than other people aren't we there's times I look around at other people in the world and I think they don't understand and you know we're called to bear a burden and so we look around the world around us and we see people who are languishing in sin. We see people who are suffering and hurting and we want to reach out to them and we want to help them, but they push us away. They don't want any help or they don't want anything to do with Jesus. 
And so, therefore, I truly believe that the Lord allows us to feel his pain to a certain point. And it brings us slow. But then, brothers and sisters, when we, have, when, we, when we come up out of that valley, we can feel very much joyous. We can feel more joyous because we've experienced the bitter. But we also have that light. And how many times in your life have you been walking through that valley of the shadow of death or you've been in total darkness and you feel like there's not a light around, but somewhere in your down, deep down in your heart, you know there's a light. You know that He's still there. He descended all things that He might understand to become that light. And we have to remember that when we're in those times, He is there with us. And He is that light. And brothers and sisters, we have to share that light with the world. We have to take that hope of redemption, the hope of resurrection, of eternal life, to bring people to the understanding and to the knowledge that this is not it. You have a lot more to look forward to than this life. Mosiah chapter 8. 82. He is the light and the life of the world, yea, a light that is endless, that can never be darkened. Yea, and also a life which is endless, that there can be no more death. This light of Christ can never be darkened. It can only be darkened and diminished probably in our own eyes or because of our own misunderstanding, or because of our own unbelief, the light of Christ is never dimmed. Just like the analogy of when the sun passes behind a cloud or a cloud passes in front of the sun, is the sun any dimmer? No. When it's overcast, when it's been overcast for weeks, and you start thinking, wow, when's this going to end? The sun is still there. And that's, a, that's symbolic. That's for us. He is in the sun. He, gave, he created it. And that is a revelation to us each and every day that he is still there. And a life which is endless, we will live forever. We just have to make sure we make the right decisions so we're on the right side of that fence when the judgment's made. We need to make sure that we are living our life for Jesus Christ. We don't want to take any chances. There's no skating in or writing in on anybody else's testimony. Alma 16, 162. I'll start in 161. It's talking about the seed and the swelling. And this because you know, for ye know that the word hath swelled your souls, 
and ye know that it hath sprouted up, and that your understanding doth begin to be enlightened, and your mind doth begin to expand. Have you felt that? Have you felt that expansion? Have you felt that growing in your in your bosom, in your mind, in your intelligence? Oh, then, is not this real? I say unto you, yea, because it is light, and whatsoever is light is good, because it is discernible. Therefore, ye must know that it is good. And so, brothers and sisters, in this life, there is so many voices whispering to us, telling us, come here, go there, believe this, believe that. You're being, you're being too strict, you're being too rigid. Relax. It'll be okay. Each one of us sitting here right now, hearing that, knows that's not right. We know that's not right. And brothers and sisters, the time is coming when we are going to be tried. If in doctrine and in belief, and you will be tried because God will have a tried people. He will try you. He will allow you to be tried. We must study. We must fast. We must pray. We must prepare. And we must have this light of Christ so we can discern what is right from what is wrong. Satan can appear as an angel of light. But he doesn't carry the light. Let us be strong. Let us strengthen our... Let's go to the Lord and let him strengthen us. Darkness is closing in on us. The Lord opened up the darkness in the beginning with light. And it began closing in again on Enoch and his people and Noah. And it broke forth again. And now, brothers and sisters, one last time. Darkness is closing in. And each one of us sitting here tonight has one word in our mind that we know will be our refuge. And that's Zion. Zion is our refuge. Zion, his kingdom, will be the last light to break forth. And his work will come to a wonderful and fantastic end. Or does it? His work never ends, does it? I misspoke. Section 36... The account to Enoch. Starting in 12a. And Enoch beheld the Son of Man ascending up unto the Father. And he called unto the Lord, saying, Will you not come again upon the earth? For inasmuch as you are God, and I know you, and you have sworn unto me, and commanded me that I should ask in the name of your only begotten, you have made me, and given unto me a right to your throne, and not of myself. But through your own grace, wherefore I ask you if you will not come again on the earth. And the Lord said unto Enoch, As I live, even so I will come in the last days, in the days of wickedness and vengeance, to fulfill the oath which I made unto you concerning the children of Noah. And the day shall come that the earth shall rest, but before that day shall the heavens be darkened, and the veil of darkness shall 
and a veil of darkness shall cover the earth. And the heavens shall shake, and also the earth, and great tribulation shall be among the children of men. Pay particular attention to these words. But my people will I preserve, and righteousness will I send down out of heaven, and truth will I send forth out of the earth to bear testimony of my only begotten. that today is the day we celebrate and recognize the Declaration of Independence. But I've heard it said that could have just as easily been called the Declaration of Dependence on our mighty God and our Lord and Savior. May we remember that in these last days as we labor in the kingdom to call for their aid whenever we need it and be the servants that we might hear well done on our day. In closing, shall we turn to hymn 245. After the singing of this, we will have the benediction. 245.
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for being our God, the one we can lean on and trust completely, and without fail, you help us. Dear Lord, I would ask that you would bless our minds, that we would be able to retain the words which we've heard, and that we would allow your spirit to work with us from now on and forever. Thank you for being the light and helping us that we can be the lights, those lower lights on the shore. You deserve all the honor, glory, and praise forever and ever. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. be seated. Our pastor has some comments. Eric asked if I'd just share a few announcements for us tomorrow, some of the activities and events of the day. So tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock, over here in Happy Hollow, there's going to be the Family Olympics. I think Lisa O'Neill, are you... Now, do we have to be in shape to come to the family? No, we don't. Oh, thank you. We, we don't have to be in shape to come to the Family Olympics, so I look forward to that tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, tomorrow evening, we will have a night swim at 9 o'clock. Um, and then tomorrow evening for the, uh, the service, for the evening service, the junior high and senior high class, we'd like for you all to sit together. Probably right over here in this area. I'm going to have to coordinate that with the choir, but that is the plan, is to sit over in this area tomorrow evening for the evening service, junior high and senior high. Um, The KP list for tomorrow...